I was mentioning Phil and he goes, Oh, Phil's addicted to effort. Like that was his, that right. was his like, <laughs> his line of like, yeah, that's it. You nailed it on the head. He's addicted to yeah, effort. Like, I understand just, that. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I, I, I think I you have think, to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, the funny thing is, is, and I think like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know you, I know, I know Gene, you know, you know, from talking with him, but like all three of you are like people who are just like, there's like, I'm not leaving anything on, t- on you know, on the table. Like it is just going to go all onto the page. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of <laughs> still, I still work traditionally. So, yeah. you know, working on these um, black label pages that are, you know, twice the dimensions almost of a regular comic book page, which is already, you know, uh, twice the dimensions of a regular book. Yeah. Um, just sort of navigating, especially when you're doing double page spreads, which you've stuck these two giant pieces of paper together right. and just swinging them around as you sort of navigate towards the four corners of what you've got to fill in with yeah. this sort of incredibly dense and layered story with dozens of characters in it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'd spend a week working on a double page spread. I, I, I can't, I really, I can't imagine. I, I, it's the, I, I was thinking when you're saying the size of the pages and then I'm thinking like, like from Jaws and like, you know, we're going to need a bigger desk. Yeah. Like, oh, 100%. The things that would go flying off my desk because I'd spin the paper around. Yeah. Just knocking shit flying everywhere. Sorry. I'm sorry um, so much. No, swearing's okay. I'm, I'm, Thank uh, God. Thank you for joining me today. Or oh, that's a pleasure. Morning. Thank you. Morning for you. Um, I, I, it's a. Uh, I mean, I was joking and you know half joking when I had contacted you. This idea of like speaking to people on the other side of the world is like time travel because you really have. To oh kind yeah, of, you know, I've spent uh, like over twenty years now, kind of navigating the time changes. Like not sure. only like when you guys go into um, daylight savings and we come out of it, and then when we go into it. And when the office moved from New York to LA, trying to sort of readjust that sort of, you know, locked in idea of what the time differences are and what crossover I will have with the office when I'm awake. It's it's been very sort of, you know, they were were very, um, when I very first started working at DC, I was still sort of FedExing like boxes of original art from Mm -hmm. Australia to New York for like years. And, yeah. you know, v- very luckily none of it ever went missing or That's got amazing. sort of, you know, irreparably damaged. Yeah. But I was very lucky that um, at that sort of early stage of uh, sort of internet be- uh, allowing people to not be in New York or, or you know, necessarily in the States, right. that they trusted me with a monthly book when I was on the other side of the planet and they just had no real sort of safeguards. There was no safeguards. No, not, uh, yeah, no, no, really there wasn't. So I, let's start, let's dive right into that one because I mean, I'm like, I know like, you know, I got in the business in the very, the old school traditional way. You know, I was in the, I was in New York. I, you know, I hustled, I hustled with editors and did the thing and got work. Um, and then, you know, I'm as the distance from the sort of the epicenter of what, you know, the U.S. comic market in New York City was, the stories become 
far more sort of like complex and interesting to me because the right. effort that is needed is way higher. And then to consider like, okay, now you're on the opposite side of this globe, you know, and look, you know, sort of entertaining this concept. How did you like, was this something you were saying, Hey, I want to go do this. Or was it a sort of a happenstance where someone's like, Hey, I really think you would be really good for this. Like, what was the, uh, the connection? Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm sort of like this, the same generation as you, the same generation as Phil, but I started a decade later. Okay. Um, and a lot of that was to do with the fact that I, I didn't really grow up with comic books. You know, there, there were comics here mm-hmm. and I remember when they started disappearing from the news agencies and, you know, I later understood that they started, you know, because um, comic specialty stores were how, you know, it was sort of the diamond distribution yeah. era, the beginning of that. I remember sort of them disappearing from my peripheral vision. But even when they were around um, in my childhood, I didn't really see anything that spoke to me okay. in the same way that the film and the TV series in the seventies did like Linda Carter was my very first superhero. Oh, I was, sure. I was yeah. four when it started playing on TV here. Okay. And it, it was such a, it was such a sort of a life altering event for four year old me mm-hmm. that the, the sort of this reality of this sort of, um, you know, beautiful woman in this ridiculous costume jumping over cars and throwing around bad guys and deflecting bullets. I'd never seen anything like it. I, I didn't, it didn't compute, but I knew it was 100% for me okay. and that I was all in. And that kind of, you know, it was, it was like right at that sort of peak, uh, uh, not peak, that, that sort of really formative moment of, of, sort of recognizing yourself as an individual person in the world that you're not sort of attached to your siblings or your parents or you're this, that, and the other. That day, that day was one of the very first moments that I realized how different I am from my sisters and my cousins. We all grew up together. Um, And there's, there's six of us, there's six girls and the five of them, uh, there's about three to four years difference in age between the five of them and then there's a six gap before me so I'm much younger than than that posse (laughs) of kids who were all tweens when when this Saturday afternoon was happening and we were all sitting there watching I don't know Lost in Space or Gilligan's Island or whatever rerun was on on Saturday afternoon and when Wonder Woman came on was when I turned on as a person, I was suddenly like, what is this? And the five of them were just sort of like, oh, hard pass and left to, you know, create havoc somewhere. Right. Um, and, you know, it was, the, it was that moment that I sort of understood the alchemy of the, the TV guide. Like, <laughs> if I work out what time it is now and I work out what channel this is on, and I look for that time and that day and that channel in the guide, I'll find out what this is called and then I can find it again. Right. And, you know, I, I with my dad's help telling me what the time was and what these words said, 
Mm-hmm. I knew it was Wonder Woman at four o'clock on Saturday afternoons on Channel 10. And I was like, right. Our, our TV guide at the time used to come out on Sundays and this was a Saturday afternoon. Right. So the next morning I remember pulling out the TV guide and looking, same about time, same about channel, and there it was. And I was like, oh, my God, I've worked it out. It was like a different <laughs> treasure hunt that I discovered for myself. Right. It's like, yeah, this is it. I, I can solve all the world's problems now. I know how to do Oh, my this. God. I was I was like a whole new person, you know, yeah. and – and from there, it's sort of, you know, the Super Friends cartoon was not very far behind. Right. I started becoming aware of Batman TV show reruns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Superman movies were only a couple of years later. I was just all in on superheroes. But yeah. my introduction and my access to them was all film and TV. And so I would be drawing as a, as a kid who could draw and, mm-hmm. and was obsessed with these characters. I would be drawing the film and TV versions of them nonstop or the sort of Super Friends version of them, you know, like Super Friends was a revelation because it taught me, you know, that these characters knew each other. Um, (laughs) And on the rare occasion, yeah, right. And on the rare occasion that I would see, you know, Wonder Woman or Superman or Batman on the cover of a comic in the news agency, it was almost always something like, Justice League or whatever, but they would be surrounded by two, you know, five, six, seven-year-old me with no idea of comic books by Mm. all these random people. Like, who the fuck is Black Canary and who the fuck is Green Arrow? What are they doing here? You know, they're not in the Super Friends. I don't know these people. Um, And so comics sort of, I, I, I didn't feel like I had a relationship to the comics. I didn't, I certainly didn't understand that they were the source material, Right. but they were just sort of like a, a something else that even though it was drawings of these characters and I did drawings of these characters, mm-hmm. it was too otherworldly for me to sort of really get my head around. Even when I saw like Wonder Woman's solo comic, yeah. um, the world that she inhabited wasn't the TV show world and the costume wasn't TV accurate enough for me (laughs) (laughs) kind of bullshit, you know, (laughs) so so stupid. Um, Well, you'd have been a horrible kid now. Think about it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Everyone's so very specific now. (laughs) Right. And so it wasn't really until sort of in the, the sort of post-crisis mid nineties, era where, you know, I was sort of in my teenage years and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there was a guy that I had my Saturday daytime job, my weekend job, um, a guy who was sort of maybe a year older than me and he was deeply into comic books and it was kind of through him that I got to clock like George Perez's Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and uh, um. Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. And they were so sort of radically different to what I had been familiar with from comic books. Right. And were so sort of m- way more sophisticated and, and you know, me being in my sort of m- mid-teens was feeling like I was, you know, way more sophisticated. Sure. And it kind of really spoke to me. I, I had always been into Greek mythology and it was the first time that I kind of properly put together that Wonder Woman and Greek mythology were sort of so intrinsically linked. 
mm-hmm. because George Perez's relaunch was so mythology heavy um, that I did sort of get into that series, but only really as an observer. You know, it influenced how I would draw Wonder Woman. And I did show a bit of an interest in, you know, some of these comics that I became aware of and and stuff, but it didn't at all seem like uh, it didn't occur to me that that was a job that I could do. Right. And it wasn't, it didn't become a sort of fantasy idea of a job that I could do. I just used to draw Wonder Woman in the margins of my homework and get in trouble for it. So, right. you know, it was that kind of, it was that kind of setup. And and certainly by the time I was a teenager, I was already sort of dead set on um, an acting career, having sort of, you know, started in theatre uh, pretty young here. And I was at a performing arts high school and, you know, it was just sort of, my whole life was geared towards an, an acting career. Sure. And I had these, you know, two older, very differently creative sisters who had had great early success in their careers. So I just figured, you know, they, they were very talented, but they also did the hard work. And I figured, okay, a bit of talent and, and hard work and you get that career that you're aiming yeah. for. So my singer-songwriter sister, you know, had a huge album thing happen in the late 90s and late 80s, sorry. And, you know, the the appearance of quite a lot of success mm-hmm. uh, when she was like fucking 19, 20. Right. And, and you're really ready for it. Yeah. And my my elder sister, who's a graphic designer, sort of, left graphic design school and immediately got this incredible job because she was really talented and the guy that gave her the job who was a fashion designer at the moment looking for a graphic designer he was a big he was a big deal in the 80s in the mid 80s in australia um he just took a shine to her and her art style and was just like you're fabulous i'm gonna give you the break that i wished i got when i was your age oh my god so I know. So I just had this impression <laughs> that success sure. just comes along when you're when you're talented and 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 hardworking enough. And my acting career just didn't go that way. Mm. <laughs> and so after kind of a decade of, um, you know, post high school, you know, graduating from high school, where all of my acting teachers and every sort of uh, acting tutor or sort of, you know, a a mentor outside of of school had all said to me, you've got it. You're you're the one. Okay. (laughs) Kind of thing. Spending a decade sort of auditioning for fucking everything and then not getting anywhere was deeply uh, uh, sort of demoralising. And, like, I I wasn't really approaching it with any sort of real strategy because it just... um, didn't know how to strategize. I hadn't learned how to strategize. No one in my family had learned how to strategize at that point because they'd been lucky. Um, And so when I was 27, I kind of needed to, for my own just sort of mental health, just put acting away in a box. It was actually a a failed Wonder Woman audition that, you know, just, yeah, 100%. 
the the um, people that were making the Lois and Clark TV show in the nineties, once that wrapped up, they did a, a development for a Wonder Woman TV series, and they had a treatment, they had a pilot script, and I was auditioning from Australia, and I got, you know, pretty far along. Wow. From what I understand, I was still in the running when the whole thing was scrapped, um, oh and that was just it. I was done. It was like, oh yeah, my yeah. god, I need to just just put this career in a box under the bed for a while. I might come back to it, but in the meantime, I'm just going to, you know, do something else, which of course, you know, being an actor, I was waiting tables and managing restaurants and doing the hospitality thing. And it really took about 18 months of me knowing that my other talents, like I come from a creative family, so it's really normal for, it would have been very odd for me to get an office job. Right. Um, or, or, or a real job, you know. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, so like, I mean, it's I mean, when you're like, oh, I have these, you know, five, you know, let's just sensibly call them your sisters, you know, with your cousins. Yeah, pretty much. Man, you know, the, I, like the first thing, you know, I can envision this kind of like, like really like colorful chaos of, of that, you know, of the volume of kids. 100%. Really loud, tall, bossy Australian women. Okay. Yeah. Um, but- None of which have real jobs. Like one of them was a chef. One of them, you know, another one was a graphic designer. We all had creative um, careers. And your parents? And mine just wasn't. My mother was an artist and my grandmother was an artist. So, you know, our our shared grandmother Mm -hmm. um, was an artist and my mother was kind of the more bohemian of the two sisters, like my mum and my aunt. but we were a, a sort of generally pretty creative bohemian family and um, and mine just wasn't panning out. And my sort of skills at that point and my sort of talents and my interests were sewing and drawing beyond acting. And at the time I just made a, a pretty sophisticated wedding dress for my best friend. So, I, you know, my sewing skills were pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd made sort of really fabulous costumes for theater. I'd made some really just, uh, you know, any size spray and white costumes for costume hire places. Right. Um, none of that particularly satisfied me, but you know, I, I really explored every sort of possible career option I could find that sort of I was aware of that involved sewing or drawing right? for about 18 months. Okay. Um, trying to sort of find something that spoke to me that could use the skills that I had. And I just couldn't find anything <laughs> that <sighs> made me feel like I would really enjoy sitting down to do that all day and not become homicidal or suicidal right and uh there was just one morning when I was sitting down you know I was living by myself at this point and I was it was a Sunday morning I was sitting down for you know my tea and toast and just once again the sort of question came up in my head I was like (laughs) you know what the fuck am I gonna do with the rest of my life 30s over there it's not that far away right here it comes what the hell am I gonna do and for the very first time in this sort of exploration, I changed the question in my head from what can I do 
with what I can do mm-hmm. to if I had to do the same thing all day, every day, what do I want to do? And almost immediately as I sort of turned that question in my head, the answer was I wish I could just get paid to draw Wonder Woman. And that was immediately followed by, oh, my God, that's a job that someone's got right now because she comes from comic books. I understand mm-hmm. that. And comic books come out, you know, kind of all the time, right? right. <laughs> I don't know. But right now someone's getting paid to draw Wonder Woman. I want that job. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And I didn't know fucking anything <laughs> about what that meant. I just, you know, I sure. had no idea how to do the job. I hadn't drawn very much in my 20s at all anyway. You know, having been a big drawer through my childhood and through my school years, I just, you know, I was too busy fart-assing around in my 20s yeah. to sort of, you know, have the discipline to sit down and work to draw but it was like, you know, I, I'm going to do that. And 20 minutes later, I was in a comic book store just buying anything that had Wonder Woman in it, um, anything that I liked, the look of the art, that the art spoke to me. Right. And immediately started chatting to the guy who worked behind the counter because, you know, he was my first touch point and was like, I, I don't know anything, so I just have to submit to the fact that I don't know anything. I know I'm going to ask really dumb questions. I don't care. I'm just going to have to go for it and and learn. And for the very first time, I kind of really triggered a hustle gene in myself. And with a certain amount of ignorance and arrogance, I was just determined that this is what I was going to do and nothing was going to get in my way. <laughs> Yikes. Um, right. So that's kind of how it started. Like the plan is pretty simple, you know, like, okay, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll gather some information, (laughs) have a target goal. Now I just need to find the steps to get to that spot. Yeah. And there was no pathway, you know, this is sort of early-ish internet days, you know, it was way pre-social media. Um, You know, it was the sort of early days of the sort of forums that we were on. And, you know, through sort of connecting uh, with the guy who was working in the store, who's now one of my best mates and an incredibly successful children's book illustrator. Okay. Um, You know, he sort of was my entry point to sort of the local Sydney uh, comic creator scene, which was teeny tiny and it was all hobbyists Mm -hmm. because there's no real industry here. Right. And... So it became clear to me very quickly that if I want to make a career out of this, I can't stay here because there's nothing to support it. Um, I have to go to the States, which seemed like a really, like as soon as that occurred to me, it was like, yeah, a fucking course. Because I said to these guys, you know, how how does anyone make a living doing this? And they were like, oh, forget it. You have to go to the States. And I'm like, oh, my God, of course you do. Yep, all right, I'm going to the States. And so, you know, at at the time I was sort of buying Wizard Magazine regularly because I needed to learn anything that I could about the business and that was my access to information. Yeah, no, that Um, was everything. That was everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. And in, in one of the, like, you know, the issue that I had that was relevant to that moment in time where I'm like, oh, my God, of course I have to go to the States. There was a half-page ad for San Diego Comic-Con, which sort of said the biggest convention in the world. And I'm like, 
Right. Okay. I'll go to that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so I said to these guys the next time I saw them, it's like, have any of you guys heard of San Diego Comic Con? And they were like, oh my God, yes. Because <laughs> even though it was like, you know, 20 something years ago, Sure. It was still a big deal that you know nerds over here knew about. Well, no, it was it was it was massive. It was like oh yeah, it was fucking yeah. massive because when I went there, I was thoroughly overwhelmed by it. So oh, I just no. said to these guys, "I'm just buying a ticket. I'm going." And you know, I could buy a ticket online. There was a pretty dinky website for it at the time, mm-hmm. and it, this was back in the days where it was like you know you buy your days individually, but if you buy all four days. You get to come to preview night for free, kind of right, thing. Thursday. You know, you're going on Thursday or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the Wednesday night preview night was kind yeah, of like but- a bonus if you bought all four tickets yeah. or four days. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Sure, whatevs. And I went uh, that year. I think it was uh, two two thousand or two thousand one. It was okay. two thousand one, I think. Um, you know, with my portfolio that was very much a first time as I have no idea what I'm doing portfolio. Right. You know, striding along thinking, you know, here I come, get ready for it. Getting a view of, you know, what was uh, back then a lot smaller than it is now, but still to my eyes, absolutely fucking overwhelming. Sure. Seeing it on the horizon and just thinking, Oh no. Oh no. Cause like the only conventions I'd experienced here to that point, there were two okay. and they were like in a conference room with about 50 people. <laughs> so I knew it would be bigger than that, but I didn't realize it would be as big as it was. And it like was a small city. Holy shit. Yeah. It was, it was really way more than I had bargained for. And it took me until Sunday to get the nerve up to, shown my portfolio to a couple of people what was your self-talk in that i mean because like i mean you were there you know hey you got the preview night but i mean you were there for like nearly you know three and a half days four and a half days yeah four and a half days and you're so you're here at the last day and you you know your intention is hey i'm i'm gonna make my career begin here like what was your self-talk because were you like yelling at yourself were you like you know distracting yourself what were you doing to like no i'm tough on myself but i'm not hard on myself okay you know i'm i'm not i don't berate myself i just you know give myself a pretty tough pet talk okay which is what i did cuz like the, for the first few days i just needed to walk around and get some sense of the lay of the land right you know sort of finding that dc booth in the middle sort of scouting all the guys with the headsets on right <laughs> just sort of like right they seem to know some things and have some clipboards and blah 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 and just sort of just acclimating really to this experience and by the time Sunday morning had rolled around I was just like right okay like I I had had some hangouts with some professional creators you know I just sort of found myself at a dinner right you know uh, up in front of you know, uh, yeah. with people that actually did the business. And I'm just like, oh, my God, how did I get here? You know, I just sort of, it was just sort of by accident. And then I was at the sort of, um, I think it was, you know, being referred to as like the Marvel after party. It was just, you know, someone's hotel room right? Yeah. where everyone was, you know, yeah. drinking and, and sure. chatting away and getting stoned and making yeah, out probably. I don't know. Behaving very well. Behaving very well. Talking nerd stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And I had sort of, you know, as a, as a, as a 
single woman with no idea of who anybody is. I had sort of ventured into this going, I just need to to set myself some rules. I'm I'm sort of not going to drink that much. I'm 100% not going to get inebriated because I don't want to be making out with anybody. <laughs> I need to be professional. So I was like glasses on all the time and I, uh-huh. you know, rarely wore my glasses. But it was like glasses on all the time, hair back. I've got to look like I'm fucking here to work, right. not Carry here to hook up. Wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to find myself fucking my way to the middle. So it was like, you know, hard hard rules. Yeah. Um just to to, to give myself some professional veneer because God knows I wasn't a professional. Mm. Um, and it was that final day where I was just like, okay, I've just got to um, just suck it up. You know, I've paid all this money. I've come all this way. Just show your work to some people. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, my targets were the Wonder Woman editor at the time and uh, the Batman editor at the time, because I had a Batman piece in my portfolio. And that was kind of it. It was like, you know, if I hit those two targets and, you know, bullshitted my way into those meetings because I just sort of approached the guys with the headsets, knowing the names of these editors and saying, you know, I'm looking for so-and-so. And they'd say, oh, there he is. Do you have a, do you have a meeting? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. and they'd be, oh, he's just over there. Like, great. So, you know, doing that awkward, awkward shuffle of just sort of, you know, hovering yeah. around, yeah, yeah, like waiting for their attention while they're just desperately trying to, you know, not see you. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, there's another person that wants my attention. Um, but I, I showed my work to these two editors and they were appropriately dismissive. <laughs> but... At the same time, one of them said to me after flipping through this, you know, really ridiculous portfolio that was very clear, I had no idea what I was doing, um, and getting to this one image of Wonder Woman that was the only image in the whole book that looked like comic book art, that was like inked line work. Right. Because everything else was paintings and pencil drawings and but like not properly finished rendered pencil drawings, nothing had backgrounds. It was just, it was real basic. But he said, that, do more of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because that's the one that looks like comic book art. (laughs) Of course. So stupid. But the next year I sort of, that was like a steep learning curve and I came away from that going, well, that was devastating, but at least I know what to do for next year. I'm just going to come back next year. Yeah. And the next year I came back and by that point I'd kind of learned a little bit what a, proper portfolio is meant to look like you know I think I, it, someone had told me sort of Joe Casada's formula for a perfect portfolio okay and I was like right okay I'm gonna aim to do something like that and I had gone to the states like a month early and uh had the very good fortune of being introduced to uh Jimmy and Amanda yeah. and okay. yeah uh you know, they were really sort of generous and lovely with me. This is before Amanda was kind of working mainstream. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy was obviously, you know, super established. Yeah. Yeah. Is Jimmy, right? <laughs> and he was really generous. He sort of invited me around to their place for a day to just sort of go through my portfolio page by page, panel by panel, and just sort of give me some guidance. Yeah. And he was great because he was like, you know, you, you can clearly draw 
and you understand perspective and three-point perspective, you've got a good eye for it. But things like, you know, you've done this sort of three-point perspective, uh, you know, crazy uh, view of a cityscape, but your buildings don't look like what buildings look like, (laughs) you know. They look like building blocks. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So he's like, go into Manhattan get on some tall buildings, get on the rooftops and start taking some photos of buildings, to start taking some photos of rooftops, yep. start, you know, accumulating your your uh, reference library. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Yep. That makes perfect sense to me. Don't just, you know, make shit up and then get it all wrong. Right. Faking so, you know, it. that started. Yeah. yeah. Faking it. And it was like, so that started my architectural <laughs> journey. Um but through sort of some of the the specific guidance that he gave me, I, I had a bit of time to sort of get my portfolio quite a bit better than it had been only weeks earlier. Oh, okay. And yeah. Jimmy had said to me, you know, this is the stage that you're at. These are the people that you should go and see. And he okay. gave me a list of people and he said, just tell them that Jimmy sent you. Yeah. So he'd sort of you know, very generously set me up with this sort of list of people that I should target. And out of that, I got like about four or five jobs. They were tiny little, you know, little jobs. But at this point in time, I'd drawn maybe three covers for stuff in Australia and maybe no interiors. I can't remember, (laughs) you know. Like I had not done nearly enough, but suddenly I was going to get paid to learn, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hilariously, one of the gigs was drawing a couple of things for a How to Draw Comics book. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. And I was like, whoa, I can learn as I teach. Um, so that was that was pretty amusing. Um, do you know the, but do that you, was great. Do you remember the guy's name for that book? The How to Draw Comics. Yeah. There's a guy who's done a whole series of those books. I'm wondering yeah. if he's a guy. I'm just checking if I have it on my shelves up there. No, I don't. Oh, okay. That's really dumb. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't know. It's around It's around somewhere. I probably gave it to somebody, you know, like some kid in my life over the last 20 years to say, you know, yeah, here, 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 learn how to draw sure. comics. <laughs> yeah. I did one of those books as, uh, in the 90s and, and I forgot about it and I was at an art store with my wife and we were she was poking around doing getting stuff for herself and i'm at the library side and and i'm like oh and i see the spine of the book and i pull it out i'm like oh my gosh like this is the book that i did like a decade or so before and i flipped through it Mm. and actually there's a piece of paper in there and someone was drawing the stuff that i had drawn and just left (laughs) the piece of paper in there which i thought was really sweet so that's cool that's so cool it's it's probably the same guy I, i i bet He's done like- it, it might have been. It might have been. Um, and during the, the sort of year between my second and my third San Diego, I lived in New York, sort of not oh. full time. I was kind of, you know, shuffling between New York and London because um, I have a British passport and I have family there. So I was just sort of, you know, spending as much time in New York as I could get away with. Yeah. And just sort of trying to absorb myself in the culture as much as possible, you know, living out of a suitcase off, you know, anyone's generosity and, and, you know, a couple of bucks that I could scrape by here and there. Um, But just sort of really focusing on spending as much time awake working as I could to build 
as quickly as possible a body of work right and uh and a fresh portfolio full of published material for the following year and when i went back for my third san diego um i had like quite a quite a sort of interesting portfolio full of stuff with one piece that i'd created specifically for the portfolio which was a wonder woman story mm-hmm. um because i would i would always get a good reaction from my wonder woman art you know they'd say to me oh you you know you draw a great wonder woman so i was like you know that's that's one way to get an easy um sort of tick from anyone that i'm showing the portfolio to and when i went to that third show uh you know sort of doing that hustle of trying to get into the portfolio review sessions which just getting on the list was you know required all kinds of bullshit getting in the door early enough to get on the list because right. i didn't have a professional badge um or an exhibitor badge you know <laughs> yep. this was sort of real real hustle uh stuff that you just would not get away with anymore um and uh, I got onto a Dark Horse uh, portfolio review up in the sales pavilion. And when I went up there on the afternoon of that day, it was like, I don't know, Saturday, um, like one of the big busy days, there, there were 20 slots for this hour-long portfolio review, but there were like easily 100 people <laughs> crowded around Okay. Waiting just in case, you know, someone hadn't shown up and there were slots available. And they had very cleverly put um, one of their top Star Wars artists, I believe, just sort of in into the crowd, kind of roaming, doing little mini reviews as a professional. Okay. It was like, and and the the smartness of that was to just kind of thin the herd a little bit. Sure. And it was it was smart because it worked because the first person he showed it to it, who he sort of did a portfolio review of he just sort of picked them randomly he sort of announced himself and and said you know can I look at your portfolio and he sort of flipped them through and gave them some advice and then sent them on their way right and then the second person he sort of flipped through and a few people are sort of creeping over to sort of have a look at what he's looking at and hear what yeah. he's saying and and all that kind of stuff and, you know, again, gave them some really structural advice and then sent them away. And then he sort of turned to me because it was happening right next to me because I was one of the people sort of, you know, hovering like, oh, fuck, what's he saying? He turned to me and said, you're next. I was like, oh, shit. And he pulled my portfolio over and by this point there was a full crowd, crowd, a full scrum around us. And he's flipping through and he's going through quite slowly and he's not saying anything. I'm like, oh, shit, this is really nerve-wracking. And then he got to the end and he said, okay, did everybody see that? If your portfolio doesn't look like this, you shouldn't be here. And that was a huge relief, but it was also quite sort of um, terrifying. It was a terrifying experience. And then he turned to me once sort of everyone had sort of dissipated. He turned to me and said, what are you doing in this queue? You're, You're a professional. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just don't know anybody. This is my only access. And he was like, okay, well, look, you don't need to be here. I'll just set up an appointment for you with the editor. And you can just, you know, see him once he's done here. So, you know, go get yourself a drink and come back in an hour. And so that's what I did. And I came back in an hour and I sat down with the editor and 
he sort of very casually flipped through my book without paying too much attention to it and then said, so if I were to email you a script, when do you think you could start on it? And I was like, well, I'm flying home to Australia, you know, in two days. So I can start in three days. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, there'll be a script in your inbox. Wow. Um, You know, we just happened to have an opening on, you know, a Star Wars comic um, that we need to have filled, like, right now. So it was just really good timing. Is that when you said, uh, so what is Star Wars? (laughs) No, I knew Star Wars. (laughs) Like like Superman and Wonder Woman, Star Wars was, you know, a big part of my childhood and and part of my sort of, you know, formative uh, passions. And so that was... That was like a serious professional job that was saying paying me serious professional money. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's full. That's full rate. That's dark horse. That is that is you know sort yeah. of benchmark when it came to the indie world. Yeah, and yeah. I could say to all of my like non nerd friends, all of my theater and film buddies, "Hey, I'm working on Star Wars," and they knew what I was talking about because sure. everything that I had said to them previous to that. You know, I'm working in comic books and I'm working on this random thing. They'd be like, right. uh-huh, yeah, whatever. But as soon as I said Star Wars, everyone would be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Right. That's a real thing. That is, so, it's, it's a really interesting, yeah, it is interesting because that the the cachet of the, the brand names that everybody knows around the world when it comes to, mm. you know, Wonder Woman or Star Wars or Spider-Man or whatever those things, people go like, wow, that's a thing. Like, they know what that is. And yeah. It's you know, so it, it gave legitimacy to my random endeavor, random in their yeah. eyes endeavor. Oh, for sure. I mean, because it, it's like, I mean, I, I've said, I've said it before is I, so I have, I have older sisters. I have what, because of marriages, I have seven older sisters or oh, six wow. older sisters and one younger sister. And, right. um, and I, they, one of them said to me, he's like, oh, when you were 11, you just like turned to us and said, oh, well, I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw comic books, you know? And they were like, I was speaking, you know, Arabic for all, for all intents and purposes, because it made right? no sense to them. They were like, this isn't, this isn't a thing. Is it a thing? Like, how could that be a thing? Like they're super friends and then that's it. So yeah, right. It, it's, it's super big. So, so, okay. Now you're, you know, what is this 2003 you're hopping on a plane you're going for that quick flight back to uh australia i mean you must have just been over the moon oh yeah yeah 100% because apart from the fact that you know i, I suddenly felt sort of validated yeah you know right. I, I i certainly hadn't felt like i'd earned it but i'd been pushing so hard even though it was a short period of time i've been really hustling myself really hard that it just sort of felt like okay I, I can do this I'm I'm on the right path and it sort of suddenly gave everybody here all this sort of you know really talented writers and artists who sort of had the fantasy of the idea of working in the American is- industry yeah. it suddenly seemed like a real possibility sure. a real option because certainly from then on for like at least a decade like a whole posses of Australians would be hitting up San Diego Comic-Con because it was like suddenly a, a possible doable thing. Well, it's, the, it's the four minute mile, Nicola. That's what it yeah. is. Like yeah. you ran the four minute mile and everyone goes like, but that, that was impossible, but it's yeah. not possible. So I guess we can do this too. 100%. 
Yeah. 100%. And and there was a period of time sort of, you know, over the last decade where at any given stage there was like about seven or eight of us working in the American business. Yeah. Which was fucking phenomenal. You know, it's sort of, it's coming and going these days. You know, yeah. Tom and I are really the only regulars. Tom Taylor and I are really the only regulars. But, you know, we've got sort of John Summeriva doing bits and pieces. We have Andrew Constant doing bits and pieces. We have David yeah. Yarden doing bits and pieces. We have Tristan Jones doing bits and pieces. There's, there's a sort of a, a, a collective of us here that are yeah. each other's sort of little support network. Is it, if I'm totally miss, but, but isn't Ashley Wood in Australia? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I think he sort of kind of hit around that time as well, but not mainstream, like kind of doing right. his own thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, yeah. That, but that's, I mean, that's super, that's just super exciting. So, how, like, <laughs> I mean, were you like kind of terrified about this idea of the script landing in the inbox? And like, and how did you like, how did you face it? Because, it's been three years of just kind of making it up yeah. to, you know, like sort of, you know, making that, that sort of that uh, parade float of your portfolio to like, you know, for, okay, here's the show. Hold together. Yeah. Well, by that point, the only sort of sequentials of any length, like shorter than a, a short few page story, I had done one full issue of a vampire werewolf indie comic. Okay. And three 10-page stories for an online indie, indie comic. Um, so I had accumulated 52 pages All right. of, of interior art. Yeah. But it was like, I know these characters. It was this Luke Skywalker story. Sure. Okay, um, cool. And it was like, I know these characters, so I can just shut up and do it. And yeah. I did just shut up and do it. And... I like it. Fear to me is energizing rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't shrink from it. I kind of rise to it. And, uh, you know, I find anxiety a useful tool rather than a hindrance tool. Um, so I just got on with it. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't sort of really properly, uh, I, I didn't know how long it would go on for. Like I did a, a few issues of Star Wars Empire and then I did a one shot um, that was specifically for Free Comic Book Day. Uh, that was an Anakin and Obi-Wan story. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that it? I think that might have been it. Like it was about sort of four or five issues in total of sort of Star Wars material. Um, And then, you know, the, the person who I had been filling in for had come back by this point while I was working on the, the one shot. Um, And so I was kind of free floating again and, and, and on call at Dark Horse. (laughs) And, and by, you know, that point I was getting close to coming back to San Diego and I got a whole lot of IDW work and, um, And, you know, uh, 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 God, I can't think. I did some stuff for Image and I did some stuff for, who else is there? I pretty much sort of worked for everybody but DC and Marvel at that point. So Um, were you penciling and your stuff at the time? No, I was just penciling. Just penciling. Okay. Yeah. Because it's, 
Were, was and that I'm, something you were shooting for or did you just kind of go like whatever they were going to give you, you're going to take? I didn't feel terribly comfortable inking. Like okay. at the time it yeah. was still in the period where inkers, the status of inkers was still really super significant. Yeah. Um, certainly they, the inkers were on the cover uh, credits. Right. And colorists were nowhere to be seen. Who? Um, and uh, I think I'm pretty sure most of my Dark Horse material went to colour from pencil. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I don't think it got inked. And I, I don't know if that was necessarily a common Mm-mm. sort of Dark Horse thing, but I, I do really tight pencils. So I don't know if it was a a timing thing or a budget thing you know, a timing thing because I was so far away and I had to sort of FedEx stuff and that sort of lost time as as art was in travel. Um, or if it was just, you know, you've got tight pencils, we don't need to ink these. Yeah. So I don't know. No, I mean, I th- no, that's not, that is certainly not common. I mean, I there's only a handful of artists that I know, you know, classically Gene Colon, I think was like the first of the artists that they just did that work for because... Frankly, his stuff is impossible to ink, so they were like, "Let's right. just turn, let's just do it that way." But that's pretty that's pretty interesting. So, but that was just kind of a, a one off with Dark Horse doing the the pencils to finish. Yeah, there was uh, a bunch of things that I did for IDW, sort of like Buffy and Angel comics. Okay, just trying to think of what else I did at IDW. Anyway, and and the first of those projects was um, a one-shot for one of the angel sidekicks and um, I had decided that I would do it in ballpoint pen because I wanted wanted a sort of grittiness to it and uh, I don't know that I asked this necessarily and maybe they just asked for inks and I was like oh fuck how am I going to do that because I'm I'm not comfortable inking line work with a brush so I was like I'm just going to do it in ballpoint pen that's what I did in high school let's go and uh, wow. and it, it sort of provided a grittiness that I think really worked for the story and I was sort of it was the character Illyria that F- Fred turns into in season five um for all you uh, angel fans out there um yeah. And she sort of wears this, the, the character Illyria, the sort of demigod character, wears this sort of very textured-looking leather jumpsuit. And so once I had drawn this whole thing, I was then just sort of drawing ballpoint pen on my on my fingertips and sort of putting all this texture oh, sure, onto yeah. the jumpsuit to sort of give it give it some some depth and, and texture and weirdness. Right. And then on this sort of black line areas, sort of doing the same thing with, with like a white pen and sort of, you know, smudging it into the costume to sort of give it a, 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 an otherworldliness. But I so, think I sort of stayed in with a ballpoint pen on all of my RDW projects after that. Um, oh, that's, I, that's pretty good. That's so cool. And it, it's so like kind of like gutsy just to kind of like jump into that. But I think it's also like that, you know that whole thing about like the, the 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 naive point of view of an artist. Like if you don't know, like you solve the problem in some fashion, yeah. and yeah. if the problem gets solved and it's it is it's aesthetically pleasing, then like 
it doesn't matter that you. And it works. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> when I, I told some of my mates, oh, I inked it in ballpark bin, they were like, "What the fuck?" Right. And I was like, well, it was what I was comfortable with, and it worked. And right. Like, yeah, it did actually. You do some. I mean, you're like your work has you. You do these great tonal pieces with your work, like your your, your ink, like I guess ink washes or whatever. I don't mm. know what you're doing for washes. So, like, I can kind of see like with the ballpoint pen because for some reason a ballpoint pen you can get that real light thing and you can get that real heavy thing 100 percent. that's why I re- like i've been thinking about working with a ballpoint pen again recently yeah. just uh-huh. sort of thinking if if a project comes along where i think it's appropriate i'm 100 percent going to buy a box of kilometros or whatever and just yeah. go for it you should talk to jim rugg oh He's really like, well he loves the ballpoint pen he does all those great cover pieces and ballpoint right. They're beautiful. Love a ballpoint man. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. The, so okay. So okay. That that's 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 amazing. Um. So I guess because like there's so many kind of cool things like you like artistically like you've got this great what I feel is like this great sort of influence of Perez's kind of Perez's sensibilities like with his his work, but I also see like. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. I don't know if you know, like, I'm, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just see this interesting hybrid between the two, like, in influence coming along on the page, which I think is just kind of perfect. Like, you know, when it comes to like those two people, um, but like, Let me see it. that. Thank you. <laughs> A couple of legends. I know, total legend, legends. But the the tonal work you do is really, really very, very much outside of that, and I, yeah, I think it's like. For when I see that, like I mean, I remember when I when you were posting stuff for Historia, like the little you're doing the like the headshots, and I'm like, man, like this this feels like I'm looking at like Alphonse Mucha like paintings, like that that real beautiful tonal work that he does, but it's all like color containment, and it's just that really like oh, thank you, yeah. So I, let's I, let's 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 just hop up to Historia because I'm just so like I mean sure I, yeah I, yeah. totally fat i I love this project um you know i was i was drawn into it just because of you know phil jimenez being sort of an old friend and i'm like i'm really happy to hear like that he got to do this sort of this sort of i don't know like i don't want to say like a a coda to his sort of wonder woman-ness but kind of a coda to his 100 percent. yeah this is a story that hasn't really been told before except in shorthand it's always sort of an abbreviated history to get to diana as quickly as possible and to get diana in the wonder woman outfit as quickly as possible (laughs) you know yeah and 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 so it's like when these things were i'm like okay cool like and like you know phil would kind of blew the doors out for Phil, you know, became a digital artist in the process, like all these things that like yeah. he'd never done before. And it was an amazing thing. And then he's like, yeah, but I'm not doing the next one. And I, you know, I'm like, what? You're crazy. You know? And then like Gene comes on board and, you know, Gene's Gene, you know, like, yeah, and, you know, and, and then, and then they're like, oh, and then you're coming on board. I'm like, oh my God. Like, it was so interesting. Like the, the, because the, the three are, you guys are not like, it's not like sort of like, one, two, three, okay, yeah, you all live together in the same sort of artistic world. You don't. Like, it's no. very much distinct. And, you know, Kelly, I, I mean, I Kelly Sue's is sort of like a great sort of like anchor and pivot point, you know, with her story and her personality drawing this sort of project together. So 
how did the project come to you? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think sort of somewhere in the doing of the first volume, um, you know, however it had come about, it was clear that Phil wasn't moving on to the second volume, which right. doesn't at all surprise me. It is so dense. There yeah. is so much work, especially that he's put into it, you know, designing these 30 uh, goddess-created Amazon characters that he kind of didn't really get to play with. You know, he, he got to design them and a few of them appear in a scene at the end of the book. Right. And that's kind of, that's kind of it, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, but the, the kind of care and consideration and research and depth of understanding and knowledge that yeah. he had put into those 30 designs is so dense and rich and kind of, you know, for someone that then has to reference them, it's kind of overwhelming because it's like, oh, my God, okay, so, so much material here. Um, right. um, and for me kind of drawing the book, you know, Jean got to have uh, – essentially it was this sort of, you know, Phil's doing this sort of grand scale God level story Mm -hmm. that in the last third kind of narrows itself down to one human character and the tragedy that sort of sets the longer story in motion. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil's story, uh, sorry, uh, Jean's volume is this sort of really grounded earthbound for the most part story where the gods are sort of reasonably esoteric and and not necessarily present um but constantly you know magically present and alluded to but sort of this sort of very human story of Hippolyta and all of these you know human slave women that she's accumulating Mm -hmm. with a little bit of uh, Amazon, you know, goddess created Amazon assistance, but still he's only sort of showing like the queens of the tribes and a few others. Yeah. My volume was about all of these various factors of the the sort of goddess created Amazons, all of the gods and goddesses, and all of these now, you know, human tribe of Amazons all coming together. So it was like, cast of a billion people (laughs) all of which have really sophisticated designs unto themselves yeah and stories and body language and you know all of this kind of stuff and draw them all going into battle (laughs) non-stop and it is it has been a lot but how it first came to me was um i think when phil had sort of however the decision was made that Phil didn't, wasn't going to move on to volume two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the editor kind of reached out to me to sort of say, hey, this is, this is something that's, you know, on, on the schedule. Would you be interested? Wow. To which I was like, I'm unbelievably interested. Yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, I'd be terrified to follow Phil, you know, because <laughs> yikes. Um, I had seen some of the work that he had been doing and releasing and just sort of being thoroughly overwhelmed and, and um, 
you know, excited by it, but just sort of like, oh, fuck no, I don't want to follow that. And also, luckily, at the time, I felt the schedule, my schedule was was jam-packed. So it was like, oh, look, I would love to, as terrified as I would be, um, but I, I actually can't fit it in. So thank you for thinking of me, but I have to pass. And so I think it was probably about six months later and the editor came back to me and said, hey, just seeing where you're at because, you know, we're starting to sort of plan out for volume three. Do you think you'd be interested in being able to do volume three? To which I was like, oh, okay, so there's more volumes and and it's not, it it sounds like it's a new artist every volume. Um, But, again, unfortunately, I can't do it. You know, I can't fit it into my schedule. I'm so sorry. I wish I could because it sounds like an extraordinary project. I wish I could be part of it, but I can't fit it in. And another six months or so go by and the editor contacts me again and says, look, I know you're going to say no, but just on the off chance, do you think you could fit in volume three? To which I was like surprised that volume three was still on the table because quite a lot of time had gone by. And I was like, look, you know what, if I can, it was like February last year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look, I can't start until August, but I have an opening come August. So if it can wait until August, then yes, I can do it. And I would love to. And he said, August is perfect timing. Wow. We're booking you in. And uh, then come October is when I actually started. <laughs> Spent a couple of months twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the the, the ball to get rolling, um, and then I started, and and straight away it was just sort of you know by this point I'd seen all of Phil's volume, mm-hmm. I'd seen maybe eighty eighty five percent of um, Jean's volume, right, and I could see how they were quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in art styles and sort of approach to the sort of esoteric nature of uh, quite a bit of the story, but just sort of tonally that each volume yeah. was different. You know, the second volume was quite different from the first because of its primary context yeah. of centering on Hippolyta and, and her personal mission yeah. made that story sort of, really intimate by comparison to this sort of, you know, overwhelming um, sort of universe that Phil was working in. Right. And it was clear from the very beginning that mine was going to have to be a meld of the two, that we were going to have these sort of very intimate um, earthbound ground level taking place with these sort of extraordinary Amazon characters mixing with these very human characters um, and also a lot of God shenanigans happening above it yeah. and, and sort of ha- how to approach that, bringing something fresh to the table while also really trying to incorporate Phil's intention and designs and Jean's intentions and designs and um that became a sort of um 
real sort of creative chrysalis, you know, it was a lovely spark to sort of feel like, okay, is this, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the sort of parameters that have been set up so that I can sort of play with these pieces and, and see if I can bring something that relates clearly but is f- also fresh. Did you set up any sort of like, um, you know, use, using drawing back to your uh, <clears throat> must appear like a professional uh, artist when you were at your mm. first San Diego, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, hair in the back and a ponytail. Like, did you set up a bunch of uh, sort of frameworks for yourself as how you were going to approach this, like visually uh, because of this sort of this task that you needed to sort of accomplish, which neither one of the two previous guys had to do that because they were sort of telling two very different tales. Yeah. And did you say like, okay, so I need to be able to incorporate, you know, this sort of like cinema, you know, you know, I don't like cinematography, you know, within the storytelling that Gene has. And then I also need to kind of pull in this, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, it it was it was a sort of, you know, ephemeral combination of yeah. of things. This sort of alchemy of, of sort of tr- trying to sort of pull in all the right things. So you know, Gene had established in his volume, um, in the sort of second half, last third of his volume, this sort of setting for the. Uh, seventh tribe, mm-hmm. um, Hippolytus, you know, human Amazon tribe. Um, but he only sort of had a, an opportunity to show a couple of these spaces and only sort of once or twice. So straight away, and, and because his story was way more intimate, um, we were sort of right in the spaces rather than looking at the spaces gotcha. quite a lot. So, uh, I had to sort of find a way to, um, my, my approach was to sort of go grand scale in terms of how I was would visually tell the story mm-hmm. because that's where my volume is going to go. Um, but so I was sort of uh, zooming in and out quite a lot. You know, Phil, okay. Phil's was sort of zoomed out a lot sure, except yeah. for his sort of really, really sort of big, um character moments where he you know he'd have a double page spread with just Hera walking into a building um looking extraordinary but a lot of his imagery was sort of really zoomed out to sort of really um enhance that sense of scale right uh and Jean's story was zoomed in to sort of really bring the intimacy of of Hippolyta's plight Mm -hmm. and for me, I was sort of like, okay, well, I can just zoom in and out as necessary. And uh, a lot of our setting is this sort of space that Jean has established, but we don't yet know how these sort of various little bits and pieces of setting relate to each other. So straight away I was like, somewhere early on I'm going to have to have a, a, an establishing shot of mm-hmm. the full lay of the land so that we can see how this sort of water's edge piece of architecture relates to this building's piece of architecture, relates to this ruined temple, relates to, you know, these these sort of disparate 
pieces, at some point I'm going to have to sort of zoom out so I can show how they relate because a lot of our story is going to happen in this space. Yeah. And fortunately, as Kelly Sue had written the script, one of the early scenes, it certainly wasn't the first scene, but one of the early scenes is uh, a sunrise scene taken, you know, seen from a vantage point. And I was like, okay, so I'm just going to set it up high enough and a, a high enough vantage point that we can see the lay of the land, that the characters can see this lay of the land um, as they watch the suns- uh, sunrise. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm sort of, I have that ability to sort of zoom in and out of these sort of really intimate, um, you know, concerns that these characters are having as the story unfolds on them. Um, while also wanting to sort of highlight the scale of the story and increase the scale of the story as it continues to play out because it has to escalate. Um, And that escalation is something that was sort of, you know, because we were working on it for such a long period of time, Mm -hmm. um, trying to sort of stay on top of all of the moving pieces and making sure I'm sort of, escalating in the appropriate way was um was sort of something to keep my head around because even though it's only 66 pages our volume 66 not 64 um you know I spent 14 months working on it how how did you prep that I mean how did you I mean what was the what was the back and forth what was your development process with so were you was there a lot of sort of like roughing structuring these pages out and seeing if uh, they yeah a kind of um before I'd even started I had a really really long um zoom with Kelly Sue as she sort of talked to me about the the greater idea of the project mm-hmm. and its genesis and uh her goal for it and this that and the other and then sort of you know focusing on the sort of specifics of Phil's volume and Jean's volume and the intention of the third volume. Um, So I had a sort of broad idea of where it was going, where we'd end up, kind of the triggers of how we get there. But, of course, none of the specific, you know, moments. Um, And then when script started coming through in a sort of totally practical sort of technical sense. My general version of working is, uh, you know, when I'm working on monthly books and I've got a full script in front of me, I will read through the full script. So I've got a sort of real sense of the ebb and flow of the issue and, and where the peaks and troughs are uh, and try to sort of find my way into the mood and tone of each scene and I act out all the parts and, you know, I'm sort of getting as broad and big an understanding of the issue as possible so that when I sit down at my desk, um, I tend to just thumbnail a scene at a time. Okay. Um, or, or sort of like a series of scenes if they specifically relate to each other. But I will only thumbnail a scene at a time because I don't, I, I will start, not being as creative hmm. if I thumbnail the whole thing at once. 
I'll right sort on. of, I'll, I'll, I'll dry out my creativity. I need to keep it sort of fresh. Yeah. And uh, part of my general process, certainly when I was on monthly books, was uh, every five day, uh, uh, for five days, I work on a seven day cycle. Um, for the first five days of that seven day cycle, I would start a fresh page. So I would thumbnail, I'd rough, and I, then I'd start on my finished pencils or my finished inks um, until the day was done. And then I'd put it aside and the next day I would start completely fresh on the next page. So I had some sense of momentum. And by the end of five pages, I had five pages that were, you know, approximately 80% done. Okay. Um, you know, some of them were a lot further in, some of them were a lot less further in, some of them just needed a couple of backgrounds. Some of them needed like, here's where you have to really suck it up and draw a three point perspective, you know, sure. double page spread cityscape you know, this is where you're going to spend your day. Um, and those final two days of that seven day cycle would be catch up. So I would be able to get those last 20% um, done of those five pages pretty mm -hmm. quickly. So I constantly had a sense of momentum um, with this, because the scale of the pages is so big and, because of the nature of the story, even if it's just one or two characters talking, there's always dozens of characters in the space. Right. Um, I just knew that, you know, that kind of schedule isn't realistic at all. So I'm going to have a, a penciling day, an inking day and a painting day. Mm. And I will start by penciling, like roughing out five pages or, or, you know, I'd rough out a scene, you know, I wasn't really yeah. doing five page blocks at this point. It was like, you know, a, a lot of our scenes were like, say three pages kind of thing. So it's like, or, or, um, two, three pages, uh, a scene. And so, you know, it'd be like, okay, I'd do a block of like five or six. And I would do that thing of like every day I would pencil, I'd rough out a page. Then the next day I'd rough out the next page, rough out the next page, rough out the next page. Then I'd go back and I'd ink out the page, I'd ink out the page, I'd ink out the page. And then I'd go back and I'd paint, you yeah. know, the, the scenes because I was painting in grayscale. And that sort of became uh, a pretty sort of doable, keeping it fresh, keeping it sort of tight, keeping me on target, Um process that I didn't really sort of get to implement that kind of creative flow until mm -hmm. like the last quarter of the book, because we were sort of working in tiny segments at any given stage with breaks in between. So I was kind of losing my creative flow every time um, and needing to sort of get back up into gear again. But um, for like the last 15 pages, 15, 17 pages, it was like suddenly here was a, a bulk of script and it was like, right, okay, now I can, really get going on a, on a loop. Yeah. Um, which is my kind of preferred way to work. Uh, huh. and yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no, I, that, that, that's, that's interesting. So, I mean, you sort of had to kind of, I mean, become your own kind of production line to be yeah. able to, to, to sort of handle the, the volume of this. Cause it, it yeah. because not only was it, you know, a long issue, it's also, big pages so there's big not a pages and quite yeah. dense right you know, each right. page 
is relatively dense. It's like X, Y, and Z, you know, like the X yeah. and Y were big, but the, because of this density that you had to achieve within the, the amount of characters, the amount of information, the amount of tone that you had to put into this, that depth, really that Z factor comes, you know, in heavy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> so I mean, you said over a course of 14 months, like that's a long time, you know, working on a project. Um, it was a long time. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like the- the Still in recovery. The, well, the, the emotional attrition that that something like that takes, because it's not like, because I, there's people who are graphic novelists who do like, you know, I did 200 pages and, you know, in that, in that same amount of time that you've done it because, mm. but they're not, not doing the same kind of work, um, but they're moving through, you know, there's this yeah. sort of long sort of like, like, Oh, I've, I've done 120 pages, you know? I mean, I could see like the, the, the weight of having to go back and look at that same page the third time, you know, after, you know, well, considering, is. you know, 14 months, you know, if you're working on a, on a um, monthly book, you know, right. in 14 months, I wouldn't necessarily get 14 issues done, but I would get, you Ten. know, maybe maybe oh. 11 or yeah. 12 issues done in yeah. 14 months. And that's a lot of pages. That's a fucking <laughs> lot of pages, right? Yeah, plus but cover. This is, this is a, a that much time spent on just 66 pages, which is just, that's three issues. Right. And so... On the coloring aspect, did, did you handle the coloring or was somebody else handling the coloring? No, so uh, I was working with Annette Kwok, who's an Australian colorist that I've been working with uh, quite a lot over the last decade, certainly not on everything. But she's she sort of worked on most of my covers over the last decade and when she's been available, a lot of my interiors. And she's just sort of someone that, um, apart from being incredibly talented, uh She's kind of really easy to work with, really agreeable. You know, I can give her um, my sort of reference and my sort of, you know, here are some notes kind of thing, and she'll completely understand what I mean. Oh, wow. uh, Without too much sort of um, lost in translation kind of thing. Um, And she's sort of been able to follow me through sort of different styles because every job I sort of, you know, my, my, my style doesn't change, but my rendering of that style does. So, you know, when I was working on Wonder Woman Rebirth, I knew what my kind of, um, what kind of impression I wanted the art to have and it'd be sort of light and bright and open. And so my line work was very sort of clean and simple by comparison to my work on Earth 2, which was only just before which was very detailed and very gritty and very shadowy and very, you know, testosterone you know, lots of sort of muscle contouring palava. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. No, um, no, which yeah. is very different to my work on Black Magic, which is very, very sort of light, delicate line work because I'm then going into paint. Right. And Historia was really a sort of hybrid between a few different styles because I was painting it not with the same 
depth and detail as I do black magic, which is fully, fully, fully painted. Mm-hmm. I was just painting anything that I felt like was important for the eye to rest on. Mm-hmm. Anything that I felt like was important textural information to hand to Annette. Um, you know, there are some pages or some panels that are fully, fully painted right next to panels that are just line work. Line work, yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm just, I'm concentrating on the things that I think are visually important either to the reader or for Annette in terms of giving her enough information. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that um, And you're... she's one of the best uh, colorists that I know who can work on grayscale well, and it not look muddy. Her, the fact that you have her sort of, you know, around is a big, big advantage. Um, oh, yeah, incredibly. Yeah. I feel incredibly lucky. Like she's my my go-to anytime yeah. I've got a project. So it's always like, hi, <laughs> are you available? Will you be interested? No, 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 no. And, you know, sometimes she says no because, you know, she's she's just not. Right. And I'm just like, ah, oh, nuts. But then, you know, it means that I get to work with, you know, some other amazing colorists that I sure. end up loving their work of as well. Do you, do you think that you're, I mean, it's interesting when you're talking about the different, sort of the difference, different approaches, I guess, you know, to Mm. your actual, like, finish to your work. Do you think that might have to do a bit with, like, with your background in acting? Like, maybe that you're thinking, like, how do you, how are you going to sort of portray this, this story? And you have to act for everybody, but you have to kind of pick a way to do that. Yeah, look, it's probably related to that. I think it's also related to the fact that my mother was an artist and, Mm. you know, every decade or so, probably less, she just sort of changed mediums, you know, and and evolve her approach to how she would approach art. And so I kind of liked that, that, um, that kind of challenge and that keeping yourself on your toes and the excitement of it and... When I started, uh, certainly when I started at DC and I was working on monthly books for, you know, over a decade, that was all penciling. Yeah. And so when I finally sort of wrapped up my exclusive contract and sort of, you know, said to DC, you know, I, I would love to keep doing some work here and there, but I need to do some creative, creator own stuff for my own sort of, you know, um, st- stimulation that, uh, I kind of really spent about six months working out how I would approach black magic mm-hmm. because I I needed it to be something other than just penciling and I didn't want it to just be inking because at the time I still didn't feel particularly confident just yeah. inking. And it was kind of through that and through sort of having been a painter myself when I was, you know, pre-comic books, um, and yes, that's sort of very much that sort of idea of uh, film and stage and and how how tonally you can change your craft by you know your lighting changes or your uh, you know whatever special effects or whatever. Um, it was that thing of I just want to do something a bit different with mm-hmm. what I'm already doing, yeah. and through quite a bit of experimentation with different tools as well as different styles, you know, what I could sort of achieve with the tools. The look that I ended up liking the most was this sort of ink wash painted finish, which of course was also the one that required the most labor. 
<laughs> you know, just like Phil. Yeah. Uh, I do like to punish myself. Well, there you go. Um, There's a commonality between the three of you. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I also, it's the satisfaction. Like to me, the reason why I don't work digitally, because I've definitely experimented with di- um, working digitally and I, I really appreciate the shortcuts and the ease of use and the ability to edit so Mm. quickly and easily. But I really didn't like sitting down at a computer or at a Cintiq or at a tablet. I didn't like the, the, my day Mm. having a computer screen, you know, I just didn't, that didn't feed me. Yeah. Um, I like my paper. I like my pencils. I like my rulers. I like my brushes. I like that sort of Bob Ross, you know, happy accident sure. thing. That's too easy to steer away from when you can control every fucking thing. Well, yeah. Undo- and and it's it, as hard as it is and as much work as it is, that is, that is the, the the joy I have in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. is that tactile process. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's why I sort of stuck with it. And I really didn't start sort of inking my own work until um, I was doing Wonder Woman Rebirth and they were like, you know, who do you want as an inker? And because I was so deeply emotionally invested in this project because you know my my decision it's wonder woman you know my decision to work in comics was because of wonder woman even though i'd drawn wonder woman in every other book i'd worked on this was actually working on a wonder woman book and it was working with greg Riker. you know whenever whenever any interviewer says you know what's your dream project my answer had always been wonder woman but over the decade uh my answer had evolved into working on an origin story of Wonder Woman with Greg Rucker. And then suddenly there it is, you know, we were being offered an, an origin story of Wonder Woman with Greg Rucker. It was like, holy shit. You know, we just manifested like a, a, a out, of, out of reality total dream project for the two of us. You know, we were so deeply excited, but I was also, I've never been more overwhelmed working on a job emotionally because I'm too invested. I can't just shut up and do it. Right. Um, and for that sort of preciousness that I was feeling when they said, you know, who do you want as an inker? I was like, Oh fuck, who do I, who do I trust? Like I love the inkers that I've worked with, but what do I want this work to look like? And how do I control that? Because I'm a control freak now. I've been working on black magic for the last year and you know i've i've been able to control everything and i'm enjoying that and i don't want to give it up especially not on this and so it was my husband that said to me you should just get yourself and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing and he was like you'll work it out just shut up and do it just nice. say you're going to ink it yourself and i was like oh shit okay all right i'm going to see if they'll let me <laughs> and they said sure you know knock yourself out they were very, very fucking supportive during that wow. project, which was great. Yeah. And so, you know, it was sort of suddenly a bit more work, but, you know, it was paying me more too. So uh, it was great. And I, I, I loved it. And I have inked every 
work of mine since. It's yeah, it's it. I mean, it's interesting that we're living, and I mean, you're doing this traditionally, um, which is not sort of the sort of status quo of the day, which is people either are penciling digitally and then inking traditionally over that. Like there, there are a lot of hybrids happening or all digital. There's very few people doing everything on yeah. the paper with a tool in hand. So that's a no small, no small task. But I think like as we sort of move forward in whatever vocation craft we choose, like this sense of not, I don't know if it's so much control, but it's execution of vision as mm. the, closer we get and the more facility we that we have with the things that we are sort of engaged with we sort of like don't want as many things in the way of that image that final sound or whatever the thing is to come out there so i can understand Mm. Uh, time be damned right (laughs) a little bit a little bit you know I, i i i wish i had more time but I kind of work better under pressure. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I like sitting at my desk. When I don't sit at my desk, um, I get real antsy. Yeah. You know, I, I've got, you know, all my podcasts. I've got a routine of podcasts that I listen to. For sure. I kind yeah. of, I, I like my life. As long as I get, you know, days off uh, yeah. and some flexibility, which, you know, on some projects you just 100% don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just no time. Um but, you know, as long as I get some sense of my life, um, I'm quite happy sitting at my desk all day just sort yeah, of with my I, brushes and my pencils. It's, uh, I, you know, it's funny because I, I, just two days ago I was thinking and, like, this wave hit me. I was thinking, you know, and I, I like I don't entertain the idea of drawing another comic book um, because it's so laborious. But mm. I did say to myself, like, if I did draw another comic book and I've been working, you know, on a digital platform for, you know, over 20 years, i like... I think I would do it on paper with a pen, right. you know, and a pencil and a brush. And I, w- I don't think I would do it in a digital fashion because I think I would, I would treat it much more like an art project far more than just some sort of production project. So, yeah. And that's a little bit how I feel, even though it is a production project yeah. to the company and to, you know, everybody else. For me doing, you know, sitting at my desk and doing the job, it has to feel like an art project. Yeah. Well, the labor, or, I, or I don't know why I'm here. I, yeah. I, I, I want to enjoy my day. Hey, you get to wash your hands at the end of the day versus working yeah. as you don't. Like there's no need. And I, <laughs> I have a real dinky setup because it makes me happy. You know, I work off a sort of antique dining table and, you know, I have a, a the most hardcore thing that I have is an LED light pad. Ooh, and well, that's hey. it. Yeah. You know, that that's 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 because I do all my roughs on the back of the page. Sure. Um you know, that that's like the only real fancy thing that I have on my desk. Because my, my Mac is over there, my mm-hmm. scanner is over there, you know, they're they're just sort of not in my view. So that everything that's on my desk is like some kind of vintage piece of ridiculousness that makes me very happy to sit down at each day well- and my view is my garden. Isn't that, isn't that, the, I mean, isn't that the thing that you have to be happy with the, the, the space and the tools that you're working with, you know, to really, yeah. I mean, we could all make do and we all when have I, to make do. Yeah. When I first bought a Cintiq and set it up, you know, I had to sort of buy a new desk to accommodate it and my Mac and sure. all of this kind of stuff. And I, 
was so depressed by how space stationy my studio looked. Oh. It just it just sucked all of the fun for me because mm-hmm. I'm just not a, a tech interested person. Yeah, it just sucked all the fun and life out of my little workspace. Yeah, and it was depressing. It was depressing. It was like I, I got to a point where it was like. I don't want to look at that anymore. I need to just pack it all up and put it away because I hate it. I hate it. I don't, I don't want that in my life. You know, now that sort of you, you can buy sort of little tablets to work on, like, you know, even, even just an iPad pro will do the trick. That's less um, overwhelming to me because, you know, my iPad is fucking attached to me. Surgically, yeah, I, I had to buy. I had to buy one. The iPad. Um, my computer died on me um, on a trip in New York City, and I was doing client work on this mm. trip, and I had to get the work done. So I had to go buy an iPad and figure out how to do the job. You know, on that right, note, right. And I love it. It's fun, and uh, I'm I noodle on it to try to figure out drawing stuff. But you know, like I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's a tool. So. What Historia comes out on the 22nd? 27th. 27th. Okay, so it's po- post Christmas. So, yeah. And it's, it's really because, like, uh, you know, we had blown our deadline even when it was announced at San Diego Comic Con. I was like emailing the editor going, um, they just announced that we were coming out in like October. And I'm I'm only halfway through. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> you know, you must be kidding. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll we'll adjust all of that uh, closer to the time. And when I got my last um, sort of batch of script, it was like the last fifteen pages of of script. And the editor was like, you know. You take as much time as you need to, but can you give me an idea of how long you think it'll take? Right. And I was like, well, look, now that I've got a, a full batch and I can just get up to speed and stay at speed and blah, 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 I reckon it'll take me, I don't know, seven or eight weeks. And he was like, great, if you can make it seven weeks, then we can make a 2020, uh, uh, 2022 uh, release date. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... If that's important, then sure, I'll aim for that. Wow. Which is why, you know, I literally finished two weeks ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, 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 I having made a lot of things in my day, I can only imagine the, the calisthenics and acrobatics that were going on behind the scenes to get this thing all sort of prepped up as and waiting for these final pages to come in. Oh, yeah. And I, I, we ended up adding two extra pages. Because it was like, you know, we, we want to sort of really um, sort of sell an idea. Okay. And the editor was like, you know, let's just let's just take a couple of extra pages from the back matter stuff. And I was like, great. So it meant like 17, um, you know, 17 pages in seven weeks rather than the 15 pages in the seven to eight weeks that I had said. But, you know, we, we got it done. I got it done sort of, you know, on time and comfortably on time. Mm-hmm. But as I was sort of doing my final scans and, and, you know, piecing these giant pieces of paper together, you know, because I have to scan it in sections, piecing them together in Photoshop and cleaning it all up. <laughs> my, my last hour of doing that before sort of sending the last batch of pages, I could feel my body shutting down. I was like, oh, I usually get like a good, you know, uh, 
12 to 24 hours of adrenaline sure. um, after a deadline where I sort of, you know, get all that shit done that I haven't done for two weeks, like going and doing a, a, a supermarket shop and, you know, running some errands that have been yeah. waiting for me. And, you know, somewhere on that sort of day after the deadline is when I collapse, yeah, you know, right. I hit a wall and collapse, but I could feel my body collapsing in that last hour. And I was like, oh shit, I'm shutting down. I'm shutting down. You can't do and this. It was, it was a lot just to sort of get it to the thing and then just collapse on the bed and be, you know, almost in and out of a coma for about four days right. while we were sort of also, you know, shuffling together. This is all sort of, you know, Thanksgiving week. So, you know, you guys are all on holiday yeah. for a chunk of it, but sort of getting oh, those yeah. colours done, getting the lettering passes, you know, approved and all that kind of stuff. So it was a real, um, thankfully, the bulk of, you know, my job was, done for that final week before it went to the printer but I had to sort of stay cognizant and present so that I could sort of participate in the you know notes Mm. um of that sort of final (laughs) final step lying in bed like holding your phone like looking at like 100 percent. I was on the sofa you know with my iPad going uh-huh. Uh, can we move that speech balloon just to that spot please and that was it you know yeah fucking hot mess this is like back, um, back feel recovered now yeah i get that so i'm excited i can't wait for it to come out um it i mean it's Me been, too. i mean it, it really is like the the amount of work that has gone into the, these these three volumes is epic commensurate to the actual story so it's kind of an interesting the story is so big and so sophisticated and beautiful Mm -hmm. like what kelly sue has done like she when she was sort of talking me through the outline i was sort of you know so impressed and overwhelmed by the idea of the story that she was telling anyway but in the sitting down and actually sort of you know the minutiae of how we're getting there those Mm -hmm. sort of you know little intimate moments that sort of trigger the next bit that trigger the next bit that's the you know grand bit or the you know whatever it might be yep it's such an overwhelming story that in in those sort of um final days where we were having the lettering proof come through my volume is is uh pretty devastating it's pretty devastating um but there is a moment right towards the end and it's this sort of really it's this really sort of kind of innocuous line of dialogue but it's not at all it's really loaded but it's this sort of simple line of dialogue and every time I get to that point I just start bawling my eyes out because we've got gone through so much trauma I mean as a reader not as the, the as the artist gone so much trauma to get to this moment and it's um, it's this sort of turning of the tone mm-hmm. that uh, it, it is this one moment. I, I was saying to sort of Kelly Sue and the editors, I was just like, every time I get to this line, I just burst into tears and I cannot stop crying until, you know, it's like got yeah. another four or five pages to read. <laughs> but it's this moment of just sort of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by just this really line of dialogue if, well, that if, I, just, if I start crying I'll, I'll email you I'll, oh good 
I'm like, I found the spot. I found the spot. Um, it might be different for everybody, but for me, it's just this one. I'll cry. Sort of delicate prompt that yeah. just sends me. Just I'm I'm already. Yeah. Uh, overwhelmed, and that's the thing that just sort of really makes makes the sort of glassy eyed, heavy tears turns them into heavy tears. I think that's that. I think that's what great art should do, right? One can hope. Yeah. Right. Well, so <clears throat> this is this. Then you're going to go away for six months and 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 just land a beach uh, and relax. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Now I got to no. make some money. This job took a long time. So, yeah, I'm taking December off. Okay, good. So I'm sort of on a bit of a break now. I'm I'm actually doing a couple of covers during December. Uh, And then I'm in the process right now of negotiating what I'll do next. I have to get back to Black Magic soon. Mm. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's been hard for Greg and I aligning our schedules over the last few years because of, you know, his Hollywood career has really sort of gone to the moon. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, just sort of life shit happening, just all this kind of stuff and me sort of keeping myself busy and keeping myself paid by doing sort of DC stuff. Um, uh, I, I am desperate to get to back to black magic because we're only halfway through the story that we're trying to tell. Right. You know, Greg had to sort of quietly say to me a couple of months ago, Hey, <laughs> do you have any interest in coming back to black magic? And I'm like, fuck yes. It's, it's one of my favorite things to work on. Um, I just, you know, we just need to coordinate and get there. And, uh, but first I've got to do like some mainstream DC thing. Uh, sure. there, there are a couple, a couple of things that we're sort of talking about at the moment. Um, lock that in, do something for, you know, I don't know, a few months mm-hmm. to, to sort of, uh, get myself back up to a regular speed on a regular yeah. size page, re reacquaint myself oh, so with easy. a traditional ratio. Oh, it's going to be a breeze. Oh, look, I hope so. I'm so tired. <laughs> so tired. You're going to be sitting back, you're going to draw. Wait, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay, you'll be drawing with your left hand. It's gonna be so easy. Oh fuck! I <laughs> I I hope it it's like riding a bicycle because yeah. uh, the the last year and a bit has been a lot. But yeah, sort of do do something do something sort of um fun fun and, and you know regular yeah with with DC for a bit and then uh Get back into hopefully your spend the tail end of twenty three sort of doing black magic and you know we've got we've got at least 15 more issues of black magic to do okay which is in itself you know probably about two two and a half years right we'll see because it takes quite a long long time to do because i paint the thing you yeah. know i really i really it's shot myself in the foot with that one yeah, um, no, but i'm yeah. so so happy with how it looks yeah. and and the sort of um the readership the fans of the book love the story and love the look of the book. So they, they've been generally very, very patient uh, with us and, and happy to wait. But I, I cannot wait to finish this story because I love this story so much. Oh, that's great. So, so, yeah, hopefully Greg and I can sort of coordinate our schedules for the next few months and, you know, he needs to get some scripts out yeah. for me so that, you know, when I start I can just keep rolling through. That's good. So here's my, here's my one uh question personal question is 
do you have sort of the thoughts and visions of writing your own stuff and doing it like your own pro- own project? You yes, I have written stories before, but kind of on purpose. I've written them for someone else to draw. Sure. Um, I don't like the idea of falling into a hole of only writing what I want to draw. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't want to make things easy for myself. So when I've written, it's such a it's such a completely different headspace. Mm, um, yeah. You know, my husband, who's a writer, kind of reassures me that I'm I'm pretty good at it, <laughs> but it's it takes so much work to get there, and I understand that that's what a writer's life is like because mm. I see it in my husband. I see it in the writers that I'm close to and that I work with. Um, and it's not an enjoyable headspace. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't enjoy it nearly as much as I do sitting down and painting and drawing. Yeah. Um, but I think about it. I do think about it. And at some point in time, I don't know that I ever want to write and draw a series. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about writing, I think more about like writing prose. Right. You know, yeah. but but you know, again, it's like, ugh, I don't want I don't want to torture myself like that. So it we'll see, we'll see if I'm if I'm inspired enough. Yeah, no, it's torture. That's um, what I hear. Yeah, I don't yeah, want no, to do that to myself. That's that's what I do, yeah. and I and, and uh, I love it, and I hate it at the same time. So um, right. But, I think yeah. if I were to ever to do it, it would be once just to do a thing. Cause I quite like the idea of like l- committing to a big long-term creative challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I do have time away from work, work, I set myself a creative thing that I've never done before. And I'm just like, I'm just going to learn how to do this as I do this. Yeah. And you know, it's usually something around the house, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn how to garden. I'm going to learn how to applique a giant fucking thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to learn how to, you know, do architectural details in my house. I'm going to learn how to do a thing and just set myself on the path of doing it because I, I, I'm, I'm sort of naturally a little bit of a jack of all trades kind of thing. And I, like the challenge so at some point in time i might decide i'm going to write a thing and i will spend a year or so doing that thing and perfecting it as much as possible and then i'll never do it again (laughs) well i think it's a tool like you were we were talking earlier about the idea of switching out your tools and when you change the tool that your brain has to kind of adjust its wiring to you know achieve it and i think I think that's the same thing. Even if it's nothing to do with drawing, if it's if it is gardening or if it's or whatever it is, your brain is 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 figuring out a way to do something new and solve mm-hmm. these sort of creative problems. And then you kind of take that back to wherever you you know whatever you do as a regular thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all creative to me. Yeah, and you sure. know anything that's creative is stimulating, and anything that's sort of you know. A, a, a hard task that I've set. I, I enjoy. I enjoy sort of the hard task. Right on. All right. I really appreciate you taking the time and talking with me because this is. That's this, my pleasure. It's been really lovely. Thank you for letting me ramble on. Well, it's it, it's it, it's 
it's not a question of rambling. I think you like, it, it's like all I, all I had to do was just ask the question that like was there and you, you have 14 months of backlog, you know, mm-hmm. you are letting, this is all things that can need to be let out when you, when you've, you're coming off one of these big projects. So um, I appreciate you taking the time and I've really enjoyed this exchange. Um, My pleasure. Thank you for talking to me too, Alex. Maybe I'll see you at New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con in the future. Um, you bet. I, yeah, and uh, I can't wait for the book, and I think a lot of people can't wait for Black Magic to come back. So, same, <laughs> same. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks, and uh, for everyone else there, see you next week. All right. Bye.